Christians are supposed to be Christ-like, just as the name implied from when it was originally used in the first century, right up to our own postmodern world today. It's as simple as WWJD, right? Wrong. Join our show host, teacher, servant leader, and fellow traveler, Steve Russell, as we journey together in learning how lives daily renewed by God's grace and power can embrace Christian living that counts and makes a difference in a broken world. This is Steve Russell. Welcome to our show today, Christian Living That Counts. We're a show that our listeners are people who are living renewed lives in a broken world and trying to make a difference. Excited that you've joined us today. We've got a, a friend and a guest in the studio with me again today, and uh, Ron Wells and his ministries. And we're going to get right off to introducing Ron and interviewing him and let him tell you a little bit about the journey he's had as a Christian and the many things that he's done in Christian service. And just lead him uh, to uh, share some thoughts with you that I think everyone needs to hear. So we're glad you joined us today. Ron's an, an old friend ever since he got back into Tyler and uh, uh, several years ago, about seven years ago actually by now. And so we've um, had an ongoing relationship and friendship and appreciate a lot of the things that he does. Ron has a background uh, originally as a worker, uh, a minister among college students. He was actually the uh, Baptist Student Mission Director at Texas A&M University. And um, I think he's taken all of his medications, gotten over that Aggie stuff, but <laughs> the, right. no, they won't let him do that. Uh, nobody ever gets over that. So it's uh, it, anyway, that was a great experience, and, and I think something he's uh, he can even share with us. He's going back for a big homecoming down there of, of his students, and um, then he, he's also been a pastor. He has done a lot of mission work, so Ron, I'm not going to tell everybody everything because I don't know it, but go jump in there and give a little bit about your background. Hey, Steve, thank you for letting me be a part of this today, and I'm very blessed to have you as my friend. The uh, The idea is that uh, the one thing that Christians sometimes struggle with the most is the one thing that we've been asked to do uh, foremost, which is to go make disciples. And I'm finding that as we travel, and we've been to several continents and a lot of the states in the United States, that that even in the Christian community, maybe especially in the Christian community, there's a, a lack of leadership. And so the one thing we've been asked to do is, uh, by Christ himself is to go make disciples. And, uh, and in fact, it says, and I'm not much of a Greek scholar, but it says as you're going, whether you're in business, whether you're in some kind of special ministry, if you're a worker with missions around the world, you know, just to make disciples. And so today, as we, we talked, and in fact, we met in a group last week and uh, talked a little bit about this, I realized that the passage most used by disciple makers is Second Timothy 2.2. Paul is about ready to, to leave earth and go to heaven. And uh, the Lord had called him to do a special thing personally. And I think he personally calls each of us. I know he has you. Sure. And uh, and so he just says very simply to this probably 18, 19-year-old that he's fixing to hand the baton to, uh, him being maybe in his 60s or whatever uh, age he was, he just says, find faithful men and teach them what I've taught you. And, of course, in those days there were no great uh, study Bibles. He basically had to live with them. And and he really, I think, looking back at the script, uh, at the syntax of it, that he's really saying, continue what Lois and Eunice has raised you up in. And uh, that there was a, uh, probably his dad was Greek, uh, meaning probably he didn't know the Lord. But his mother and his grandmother did. And so he just said, the things that you've learned from them and now that you're learning from me, uh, find faithful people. And the best word, and uh, it helps me to remember things sometimes to let them start with the same letter, but the best word, I think, is reliable people. Mm-hmm. And in our culture, uh, as, as I travel and as I you know live in a community here in Tyler and Lindale, I find that there's a lot of... Uh, people that are not reliable they say they will do things and most surveys find that probably less than 10 percent of an active church actually carry the weight of the financial part of it but as well as the body life part of it and so 
reliability is huge. And uh, as a football coach, I played some football in college and high school, and I just find that there's a lot of guys that would like to be uh, on the field in the game but really are not real interested in paying the price to develop stamina so that they can be reliable. The second R in this is that I think reliability has a lot to do with resilience. The uh, I found this little poem. I don't think it's a spiritual poem, but it makes sense to me. It, and it's anonymous. I don't know who wrote it. It says, uh, uh, speaking of resilience, it says, A little brown cart fell in the path of a whale who lashed it down with his angry tail. But in spite of its blows, it quickly arose and floated serenely before his nose, the whale's nose. <clears throat> Said the cart to the whale, You flip and you splutter and you frown, but you can never, never keep me down. Hmm. For I'm made of the stuff that is buoyant enough to float instead of drown. Hmm. And I think among Christians who are to be able to have the resilience of the living Christ in us, I think we get depressed and tired and give up. And uh, the third R is is how do you keep resilience and liability in your life? And I think it means that you just have a lot of renewal. It has to be quiet places in your life. Uh, after a while, I think even the best give out. And uh, David in Psalms 51 uh, had given out morally. Probably he gave out to fatigue before he began to, to have idle time on his hands and watched uh, a nude lady bathing on the next rooftop and had her come to his place and had sex and had a baby and the baby died and just a real and eventually murder and all the things that happened. And you think, how could God say of somebody like this that he was a man after God's own heart? And the beauty of it is that David said in Psalms 51, he said, I know what I've done and I confess it. My sin's not just been against the people that I've done things with and to but, Lord, it's against you. But please renew a right spirit in my heart. And so the resilience and the reliability has a lot to do with the renewal. And, of course, the ultimate thing that John 15 talks about, when Christ says, I've called you out, not just to be a servant, which I think most people conceptualize religion. Most of the issues going on in the world right now are religious issues. They're beliefs in gods that don't exist and even though some people worship the same God, they, they disagree on, on things, and they, let, they go to war over these things and become disunified. And, uh, and, and I think the, the main thing that Christ has called us out as disciples, as leaders, is to be reproducers. read a little thing the other day about a, uh, a guy who uh, works his, his lawn real well, and so he cuts his grass like I do. We live in the country. And uh, he he cuts his grass, trims his hedges, and then a few days later, it looks like nobody's even been there. He said, but a gardener, and this is what I think a, a producer is in the kingdom, he says a gardener doesn't just cut grass and trim hedges, but he plants trees. And years after we're gone, uh, those things will still be going on because it's the eternal ability that God has to produce fruit. Well, let's go, let's go back a little bit and talk. Talk talk about your career when you you were in high school and you went you went to college where I went to I actually went to A and M to start with and then I came back after three days uh, I didn't like it all that much I ended up going back as a <laughs> campus minister but uh, I played for Coach Wagstaff he was a football coach here at Tyler Junior College and then went on A and M Commerce okay into the seminary in Fort Worth the reason I ask you about that just to get a fix on on your earlier years. When, when you talk about reliability and resilience and renewal uh, so that people become disciple makers or, or reproducers was your word, um, how did you journey into that? Because most of us, um, when, when we find Christ and we, we enter into that covenant relationship, we don't automatically become these people. Uh, it, it's a process and uh, probably one that will go on into eternity. But where were you in high school and college, and uh, what were your observations about this process? Probably early in my life, I made some kind of profession. You know, I had a Sunday school teacher, I think as a fourth grader, that I respected a lot, and I genuinely gave my life to Christ. Uh, 
the struggle was that when I started dealing with adult temptations uh, as a football player, as a student, as a, as a guy, uh, I realized that I would re- make recommitments of my life, but there was really nobody there uh, with me to teach me how real people become disciples. Mm. I think I saw it from the pulpit, and I knew the guy had a, a big floppy Bible and a gold watch, and I thought, yeah, I can't be that. And I thought he was perfect, and I'm sure he wasn't. But in college, finally, just uh, in a really broken moment, uh, after I tried a lot of stuff, I sit in my room and uh, surrendered my life to Christ and told him, I guess that was between my freshman and sophomore years in college, that if he existed, I wanted him to take over my life. And after that, I got involved in student ministry. It was called Baptist Student Union. But since then, we've been in universities all over the world. And uh, and and I've gotten to do, <clears throat> again, what Paul was saying to Timothy, what the things that men and some women, and, and actually the girl that led me to Christ, uh, uh, to her uh, living faith in Christ as an adult, uh, she was somebody in my life, and I got to be that somebody in some other people's lives and i think that's the way the kingdom goes forward so when you when you made that commitment god kind of provided you a role model or a mentor um in that setting uh, yeah i learned that it wasn't something i did that i just learned in in my head but it was contagious i learned it from being up close to people that that lived it very good very good. We're with Ron Wells, uh, former uh, student ministries in uh, college, student college ministries, and uh, pastor and counselor and disciple maker. And we'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us. We'll return in a moment with host Steve Russell and Christian Living That Counts. Many Christians worry about how to share their faith, they even feel guilty about not sharing. Hi, this is Steve Russell, host of Christian Living That Counts on toginet.com. Christians sharing their faith feel awkward and bothersome sometimes, but my friend Bobby Bateman has a unique way to break the ice and open the door for a casual conversation. Join us soon for the interview with Bobby about his unique idea or learn more now at his website, itspersonaltous.com. Once again, that website is itspersonaltous.com. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start Living Inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts, your host, Steve Russell. We're back with Ron Wells in the studio. I'm Steve Russell, your host for Christian Living. Today, we were talking about the journey of making disciples, and Ron's word was reproducers, and he had three other R's that went along with it, um, taking taking the verse of 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, talked about the reliable people that become disciples. They're also resilient people, and they're people who are constantly in, in renewal. And we had just uh, talked to Ron about um, the years when he accepted uh, Christ and entered into covenant relationship with him. And as Ron put it in a living relationship, one that was not just a head knowledge, but uh, a life, uh, a life journey. And um, Ron, I wanted to ask you because you, you made that decision as a college student and then you entered into college uh, student ministries um, in your initial uh, professional ministry career. Um, do you think a lot of these kinds of decisions are made at that age uh, and in that in that framework around college, the college years? Yeah, I think it's a window, and this is the reason why when we like next week we'll be going into uh, uh, we'll be going into Costa Rica, mm-hmm. 
Uh, we have been uh, in East Asia and universities there. Uh, Jamaica, we've been with large groups of students. We feel like that out of all the people, 7.5 billion people on earth right now, that out of all those people that ever uh, become world leaders, that a tiny, tiny percent of them go to university or college. But most of those leaders come out of that pool. Uh, and so that's why we feel like uh, we'll be sometime next year in, in Uganda, perhaps Zambia. Uh, we've been in Canada uh, and uh, many places. And so so the university campus, yeah, I think, Steve, it's a very – it's a time in their life they're choosing mates, uh, vocations. And truthfully, the college campus has been down by the enemy for a long time. Uh, and, and it's amazing what's happening, though. There's a great movement going on that we probably will not hear about uh, because, again, the people that are embarrassed by the Christian faith, which I'm afraid would become a nation that that tends that way, uh, the reality is I think Christ is stronger right now around the world, and not necessarily in Western Europe and America, but he is really moving. And we get to go, met last week with a guy from India who works with Youth for Christ, and we're going to be uh, there with 104 of their worker families, and they're all Indian nationals. And mm-hmm. so, so there, yeah, there's a lot going on, and, and we'll get to be on the universities there in the cities that we're in. Well, you, you alluded to something, and I was going to carry you there anyway. Um, uh, you've done a lot of international travel and seen this and, and, and really seen God working internationally. And you kind of uh, backhandedly said what I was going to ask you about, and that is that um, uh, the United States and maybe Western Europe, the, the nations who were the cradle of Christianity for centuries, uh, may be the ones who are... Um, less uh, filled with the energy of, of the Holy Spirit right now, and you're seeing it in other places. Uh, and I know there's even been some talk uh, for several decades now in the mission world that uh, eventually the United States, if things don't change, we're going to be a mission field, and we're going to find other Christians from other countries um, that we used to send missionaries to in our lifetimes, find them coming over here and being missionaries to us. But do you see a, um, a, a real difference uh, in um, perspective of say students here in the United States and in, in your experience versus those internationally. Yeah, I think that again. I think that when the faith in Christ is contagious, I think it's like getting some kind of endemic disease. I, th- I think it spreads quickly, like it did in in the early first century church. I mean, they the, they said the blood of the martyrs was the thing that incubated a, a massive movement. In a lot of the countries that we are studying and are actually in, uh, even the government realizes that the Christian faith uh, is is moving very powerfully. I think part of the ISIS thing is that there's a tremendous awakening going through the Middle East, and 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 it's you know in this religion that has controlled these places for so long are, are frightened of this because Christ has a way, as He did on the third day of rising again, and, and he's never going to be put away. And uh, and so it's pretty exciting to be alive right now. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the people think, well, things are so challenging in the U.S. right now that obviously you must be coming again soon, and I think you could be. But who knows, you know, the, the struggle that we have financially and morally and, and all the things going on may be the very things that give birth to maybe the greatest awakening. Yeah. And, and it may t- not be here, right? Yeah, it may not be here. It may not start here. It may be going on, in, but we don't know that. because. And, and again, the media is not real crazy about reporting it. Uh, they, that's that's not their goal, you know. But he is moving in, in very strong ways. And a lot of it, I think, in seems like the Great Awakenings, many of them, the Great Student Movement, was called the Haystack Revival. You probably heard about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. And it started with some students in a haystack beginning to pray. And so, you know, I, I think it's pretty exciting to be alive, but pretty scary. I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, there's some, there's some interesting things going on in, uh, in, in the Christian world right now. I, I noticed, and of course, any time here we, we, 
we, we do a live broadcast, but we're going to put it into into an archive so it can be heard, you know, a long time from now. But sitting where we are in the little past the middle of 2015, we have a Christian movie out right now, uh, War Room. And uh, it came very close to tagging the number one box office. In fact, it was number two. Uh, and I believe it's the story of some a family who perseveres through prayer. And for it to be that popularly attended in the United States tells us that there, there is what the Old Testament prophets often refer to in Israel. There's a remnant uh, even here in the United States. And it will probably be that remnant that are become the reproducers, the disciple makers that you've, you've been talking about. Yeah, we were, we were there uh, eating popcorn and watching it, you know. And, and, and again, we work with families a lot. And we decided that we want to work with families from an office building, <clears throat> just like this broadcast is originating in an office building. Because I, I'm not sure that people look to church buildings anymore for help. There, there's a difference between the organization of the church and the organism of the church. And, yeah, and I think it's just another representative thing. The war room, we saw it and just were very amazed by the quality of the acting, the, the way it was put together in very much low cost compared to the billions of dollars that are spent on some other movies. And then we also were, were able to see the great movie called God is Not Dead. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And these these movies are going all over the world in all different languages. And again, I think it's frightening to people that, as always, Christ is and God's word has always been a, a hated uh, person, and the word of God is not respected in in our culture right now, even by our courts and and many of our legislators. But even then, I, I get to see some of our students who have come out of being students uh, as freshmen and sophomores and juniors that are now in Washington. And God is doing some very special things uh, in, in our capital and the capitals of other nations. And and so, I, yeah, I think that discipleship, though, I think converts is one thing. And sometimes I, people count converts. Mm. And I think that was never done in Scripture. Uh, when there were in John six sixty six when... There was a massive falling away of following Christ. Uh, it just reminds us that in every culture, if it's a national religion, kind of like Judaism was in that culture, it can be an inch deep. Mm-hmm. But when, when the persecution really heats up and discomfort is really coming, I think it's when Christians stand up. And uh, Well, that... that- uh, that makes me want to take you back to the first R that you brought up, which was reliable. Uh, of course, we spent some time, as you mentioned last week, kind of contemplating that in a group of men. Uh, and I was going to ask you what you thought the real enemy was, but you named one. You thought uh, you, you observed that, that possibly just not wanting to pay the price for stamina, which as an athlete, as a young young man, an athlete that, that uh, you were in those years, you know uh, what what it means to build stamina. So that obviously there's there's maybe that desire. Uh, this this price is too high uh, for me to pay. I don't want to pay that. Uh, are there any other things you think that that uh, are enemies to reliability? Just besides the unwillingness to build stamina. I, and let me throw one in here. Even as I ask the question, you mentioned the the not the desire for the stamina, but also you mentioned the, maybe the lack of role models. Um, I find a lot of Christians uh, want to kind of have their faith in a corner. Uh, and Jesus, we're just in the Sermon on the Mount, put, put, put it under a bushel uh, and hide it. Uh, I don't mind being a Christian, but don't bug me about it, and I don't want to go out there and bother anybody else with it. Um, so, so there may be a, a dearth of role models out here. People just can't find someone to mentor them. Is that you think that and other things? And Yeah, this, this is what Paul was trying to say to Timothy, and I don't think he— as a teenager, he fully grasped it, but he was trying to say, "Be ready to find people, uh, and uh, that are reliable, and uh, and be resilient enough to meet with them." And uh, because a lot of people, uh, I was in, I did a mission into the Olympics in 2004, and when it was in Athens, and uh, the last thing they run is the marathon, which you know is quite different from the hundred meters, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and uh, and they, a guy from Tanzania uh, was running. Uh, 
something happened midway through, really hurt himself, sprung his ankle, just got bloody. Took him hours after everybody had finished to get into the stadium. One guy asked him, why did you do this? And he said, because my country, Tanzania, did not send me 7,000 miles to quit. Mm. And so I, I think that that in the process of this reliability and resilience, uh, athleticism has a lot to do with it and uh, and is painful. Great. I, I want to come back. I'll, I'll start on that note when we come back in, in our next segment. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about my, my thoughts on the little red hen syndrome <laughs> when we get back on that. Stay with us. We'll be back with Ron Wells. This is Steve Russell. We'll see you just in a moment. We'll return in a moment with host Steve Russell and Christian Living That Counts. I want to tell you about the special underwriting sponsor of Christian Living That Counts. This is show host Steve Russell to introduce you to the Prefort family of Mount Pleasant, Texas. Prefort Manufacturing was founded by the late Marvin Prefort born inventor who moved his growing business to the heart of cattle country in northeast texas in 1962 since then prefert manufacturing has become the leader in the highest quality of farm ranch and rodeo equipment employing over 800 people and shipping their products worldwide bill prefert marvin's son assumed the leadership of the company in 1988 after the unexpected passing of his father marvin Today, under their dad's watchful eye, the third generation of Bill's sons, Eddie, Nate, and Travis are carrying on the family tradition and business, including the Christian faith that they quickly credit with much of their success and growth. I'm proud to call the Preferts friends and appreciate their making the internet radio broadcast of Christian living that counts possible. Learn more about this dedicated Christian family and their outstanding business at Prefert.com. That's P-R-I-E-F-E-R-T.com. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children ages 24 to 18 who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts, your host, Steve Russell. This is Steve Russell, host of Christian Living Today. We're back with Ron Wells in the studio today and uh, just sharing things about discipleship and some challenges to it. And I had uh, said in the closing of the last segment, I would bring up my thoughts on the little red hen syndrome. Uh, it, it dawned on me, I, I'm, I'm sort of a volunteer freak. Uh, I do a lot of things, sometimes to my detriment, and sometimes I have to admit I overextend myself literally. Um, I, I pat myself on the back. At the same time, I'm too tired to do a good job sometime in all the things I volunteer for. So I, I really am trying to learn to, to do a good job in a few things instead of overextend myself. But I know in, in volunteerism, uh, there's, there, you're just amazed if you if you serve on any type of nonprofit um, board or in any capacity with something like that where they're heavily it's heavily dependent on volunteers. I know how amazing it is to find a kindred spirit. Uh, you just go out there and you just slug away. And if you remember the little red hen story, you know she she was going to make some bread, but she had to start out by planting the corn and grinding the corn and, and uh, tilling the soil, you know, the whole thing that finally got down to who will help me do all this and, and, you know, went through the whole barnyard. Not I, said the cow. Not I, said the pig. And nobody wanted to help the little red hen. And, of course, when she finally got the bread baked, all of them wanted to help her eat it. Um, and I found in the volunteer world that, that uh, I've, I've often been that little red hen. I, I go out there, and, and, and who will help me do this? Who, and I get the not eyes and the not eyes and not eyes. Uh, and, and sometimes we'll, again, the, 
the thought that the organization is successful or gets good press or something like that. But when you look down in the, in the guts of it, uh, you realize that so few people really catch fire. And, and it's ama- it has been amazing to me uh, the joy I find when I find somebody that has the same fire in the belly I have. And, and I'm sure it's like that in, in, in all the, of, of the Christian walk as well. Um, there are just a lot of people who are satisfied, as you said a minute ago, with uh, sort of that inch-deep layer, uh, which doesn't really capture and, and, and uh, captivate lives and, and turn them into real tools for, for Christ. I was thinking on the, the idea of, of resilience, too, when you were telling the, sharing the poem about the whale and the cork. Um, you know, there's the old adage, as long as you get up one more time than you fall down. Um, and, and that's something that uh, may hold some Christians back as well. They've fallen uh, once or twice or 10 times or 15 times. And, and I'm reminded of Jesus echoing in the back of my mind 70 times, seven times. Um, we're, we're certainly not a perfect people as Christians. We're not perfect disciples. We're not perfect images of Christ. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, occasionally we look like Jesus and do some things that Jesus did, and we love like Jesus, and we forgive like Jesus, and we live like Jesus, and we care like Jesus cared. So, uh, again, the failures can't stand in the way of discipleship either because all of us, uh, 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 if we're honest, have had some form of failure. And, And I know you deal with that a lot in counseling ministry with people who um, maybe think, well, I, I can't say this or do this or live this way anymore because I made some mistake. Kind of share with us how that is. Yeah, I think the enemy enemy uses a tool of discouragement. Uh, the a, f- a friend of mine who's a sociologist said there are three categories of people in every room, even the church house. He says there are those that are risk takers. They're not idiots, but they're they're willing to say, hey, I've never done this this way before. And then he says there's a quick progression even among the risk takers to be caretakers. They'll say, hey, I'm not doing that bad. And and in counseling, a lot of times uh, I'll talk to men in particular, and they'll just say, hey, I know that I've made some mistakes here, but, you know, I'm not as bad as the guy next door, you know, who beats his wife or something. And then almost uh, progressively, almost inevitably, uh, to go from risk-taking to caretaking to undertaking. Hmm. And, uh, and I think this is what has happened to the, the, the faith uh, that we worship, the, the Lord we worship, the Christianity that we're a part of, is a revolution. And uh, a professor of mine, I think you probably may remember Bill Pinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill was an evangelism prophet seminary, and uh, he had gone to speak at Glorietta to some kind of Sunday school week or something, and, and uh, they had a a revolution specialist. He had a couple of master's and doctor's degrees. And so after he'd been with these Baptist Christians for a while, who were leaders, supposed to be leaders, he just asked the man, doctor, whatever his name was, he said, are we revolutioning? You know, are we revolutionaries like Mao and Stalin and all these, you know, uh, Castro? And and he looked at Dr. Pinson and he said, no. And Pinson said, well, why not? And he said, because they don't have the look in their eye. Mm-hmm. Or is there's there's a passion about this that somehow gets sterilized sometimes with education, mm-hmm. for sure with comfort. Uh, materialism is the worst cancer that Christianity has ever faced, and uh, and in cultures where we go a lot into Central America and Asia, uh, it, there's this people are pleased to have a meal and to have clothes on and to have shoes on their feet. Here, it has to be a certain brand, a certain kind. We're very entitled. And so it is an enemy, and, and, and I think this uh, this whole thing of entitlement, and and all of us are that way, and, and we just have to wake up each day and say, God, you know, number one, can I be counted on? Can I be reliable? God, give me resilience. But I lost some of that. Give me renewal. And for me, my renewal comes from being in the Word and and being with men like you, you know, and, and meeting. I meet with these guys three times a week, not because they need me. I, I need them because accountability is huge. And then amazingly, 
uh, you start looking around and think, you know, God, you've done some pretty neat reproductive things with me. There's some going back to A&M after seeing these students last time, probably in 80, I get to go back and see that some of them, and most of them are not preachers or missionaries. They're business people that live their faith and obey the commission that says, as you go, make disciples. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I just, it's amazing. The, we, we, as you've brought out many times, we have an enemy, uh, and he's not complacent uh, at all. And uh, so it's, it's not like we are um, a force in equilibrium or we are we in a place of equilibrium with nothing pushing against us. Um, I've often thought that the world is sort of like the uh, current of a river. Uh, if you think you can push your little life's boat out into that river and just that little push out into the river and you'll just be fine as long as you don't do anything, uh, you're totally discounting the current. Uh, and the current of the times, uh, people who push that boat out and, and of their lives, and that current begins to carry them. And, of course, if you don't fight that current, then it gets ever and ever faster. And you find your boat moving very rapidly in a direction possibly you didn't want to go. Not, not because you, 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 you did anything to get there. You just didn't do anything to resist it. Uh, you, you didn't put up a fight. Um, and, and I think that's that's a terrible part, as you said, and named many things as part of our American culture that people easily get in a way of their being totally totally committed to Christ. Um, it's uh, uh, it's a it's a different lifestyle uh, entirely. It, it's one that that totally shifts the priorities. And uh, I, I often wonder when we if we're if we're so wanting to count converts as you brought up earlier and not disciples uh you know we, we kind of want to give the easy plan um but jesus never did really um about the only time anybody heard the easy plan with it was when they were so overburdened with the world and and, and jesus would say you know come to me my burden is light my yoke is easy and and uh let me take those cares off of you but as far as the commitment it was always take up your cross follow me um, even at one point, as you mentioned in John, eat my flesh, drink my blood, totally be consumed of me and by me and for me, just uh, absorbed into Christ. And uh, a lot of people have uh, a lot of reasons they just can't quite give that that over. We have a few examples in the Bible, but I think we live uh, around those people every day. And admittedly, even some of us, if we're not diligent with the daily commitment of the renewal you're talking about, uh, in the in the word, in prayer, in comfort, uh, in company of others uh, that are making the same commitment, uh, we can find ourselves. Yeah, Dwight Moody said, he says, uh, I look around and all the things that I see that scare me the most and the sin that seems to be eating up everybody around me, the person that scares me the most is myself mm-hmm. because it's, it's easy to, to be, you know, it's easy to preach sermons and be condemning and, uh, and, and I'm finding that people need encouragement. They they don't like when the woman was caught in adultery, and and uh, Christ didn't choose obviously to stone her to death, but he did say to her, as everybody had left because they were all, as you said, burdened down with their own sin. And he just after everybody left, who knows how long it took? It may have taken a while. He just got down on her level and he just said, "Hey, you know." Don't do this anymore. This is not good for you. So it's a culture, obviously, that people are trying to tell us what's good for us. God told us that in the Ten Commandments. And when you violate those things, and this is where disciples are not always liked. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, probably nobody on earth is hated more than serious Christians, even in our country. And they really want us to, to compromise and find some kind of compromise that creates lukewarmness that's that's sick right yeah and 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 unfortunately there's comfort in that crowd as well uh you can feel feel comfortable without sacrifice in that crowd and we don't want to be don't want to be a part of that we're going to come back in just a moment uh with ron wells and we're going to talk just a little bit of something he alluded to earlier Today, especially in the Western world, in the United States, uh, many people are not looking to the traditional church for the models of discipleship. And when we get back, we'll discuss that in just a moment. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. 
We'll return in a moment with host Steve Russell and Christian Living That Counts. Hey friends, this is Steve Russell, host of Christian Living That Counts. I want to introduce you to my friend David Taylor. He's celebrating his 35th anniversary as a financial advisor. David's a CPA and has recently written a book to answer the need of so many ladies who came to his office after the passing of their husbands. Often they knew nothing of their financial details or status. David's book is called The Comprehensive Widow's Survival Guide. Be listening for my interview with David soon and learn how you can get your copy of The Comprehensive Widow's Survival Guide. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm Free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be, I'm Free, with Minister Diane Jones, Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts, your host, Steve Russell. Welcome back to our last segment of today's show. Thank you for joining us. This is Steve Russell, your host, Christian Living Today, with Ron Wells in the studio. Um, We've just gotten down to uh, talking about why today's church in America is not always the place people go to uh, to look for mentoring when it comes to being uh, true Christian disciples. And I asked Ron to comment on that just a little bit. Ron, what, what, what's happened in our churches that they're not uh, the resource maybe they were when you and I were growing up? That was the place that we went for our, our mentoring and our, our teaching, but today maybe not so much. What's, what's going on in the church? Well, I think that any time you have an organization that has to have a budget and has to have staff, and again, I do that knowing that I can't even imagine the world without his church, Mm -hmm. even the organizational church. But I think that we get to the place that the organization meets the organism because, you know, we we may have an impressive-looking building and impressive-looking staff and spend a lot of money. But most of the kingdom is going forward in places where there are no buildings to speak of. And most of the guys and ladies have not been educated in a seminary. Uh, And I really think when you look at the anatomy, uh, the breakdown of the disciples, he had four fishermen and a tax collector to start with, you know. And, uh, And so I think a part of it is that organization is is built to carry out task and in an organism is is built to grow and produce and reproduce you know I, i've thought many times uh if, whether it's a government agency or a corporation or any organization there's there might be some 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 great wisdom to revisit in the Old Testament of the idea of the Jubilee year. You just wipe it clean and start all over and forgive all the debts and, and literally just start with a clean slate because um, bureaucracy begets bureaucracy, and it just gets thicker and harder. I was, I was thinking today for the first time, um, I just had this thought process after a number of discussions. We were, we were talking about things such as uh, closing documents for purchasing a home, and uh, one of our mutual friends, uh, Terry Aycock, was sharing sharing with me about when he was in the mortgage business. You know, the packet was about was about three eighths of an inch thick. Now it's about it's about two and a half inches thick. And he said, you know, I got thinking about by the time my children's children grow up and and they're liable to have a ream of paper. Uh, you might have to go down and buy your own five hundred sheet ream. To, to have just the documents because it just becomes laws and 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 uh, details stacked upon each other and, and and if you don't ever sort of flush that system of all that and and you know it just takes over probably the most astounding statement Christ ever made in the economy I guess in their economy culturally but in ours as well when he called little children that the disciples were trying to keep away from him. Mm-hmm. 
and he taught them the most poignant thing he had ever taught them, perhaps. He said, guys, unless you come into me, it's like one of these little ones. Don't bother coming to me at all. And what he's saying is it it doesn't mean that we're simple-headed, but it does mean that the gospel is pretty simple. And and that's why spreading the the greatest prison religion of all times has been the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. Because when men and women are down and out and burn out and and have done things, then grace comes flowing in. This is why the greatest hymn writer, perhaps, was John Newton, when after all the really awful bad stuff he had done, he just simply one day reached his breaking point and uh, wrote Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, Mm -hmm. that saved a wretch like me. Yeah, I think uh, when you mention children, the the great thing of of Jesus' wisdom there is he was literally telling them, come so that you can be refreshed and renewed. You know, we all marvel today at how our 7- to 10-year-olds can teach us how to use our smartphones and our tablets. Uh, The reason is their mind's clear. Uh, they're fresh and they're ready, uh, and and so they can learn all these things and and uh, becoming renewed like little children in our minds. And there's good scripture behind that as well. The renewal of the mind uh, is just necessary for us in our Christian life to be to be fresh. Um, well, I the I was thinking also back to the the, the idea of the church. Um, and you mentioned the idea of this organizational. Once it has so many organizational obligations, it can find itself just literally revolving around around those. Um, but I, also, I, I thought earlier, well, you mentioned that look in their eye. When you talk about Bill mm-hmm. Pinson's uh, group that he and the other fellow were speaking to, and I, I was remembering back to the Rocky movies and what they call the eye of the tiger. Uh, you know, when you when you can look into it doesn't matter whether you call it the eye of the tiger or the fire in the belly, but there's got to be some type of, of enthusiasm and uh, spiritual awakening, spiritual awakening. The one thing that I think we we have to accept about about Jesus uh, coming into covenant relationship with a human being is that human's not going to be the same. Uh, there, there is not. It's not going to be some complacent um, uh, non-event. It's literally going to come with energy uh, of the Holy Spirit. And if people will just, again, with the mind, fresh mind of that child, be willing for God to shape them and mold them. And that's the great thing, even as Paul was was, uh, writing these things to Timothy. He knew Timothy wasn't going to do these on his own. He was going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, that would come come in and work in his life toward getting him um, these men, bringing him in contact with these men and women, certainly, uh, because his mentors, uh, Timothy's early mentors, were, were women. Uh, and so they certainly play as great a lo- role in that mentoring um, event uh, of Christ-likeness as, as any man. Um, any any thoughts, last thoughts on, on this about discipleship and, and what we really need to do? Yeah, we kind of talked about the journal that we started yes, yes. using. Um, I used to drink uh, a lot of Diet Dr. Pepper and have a 12-ounce can, and and I was doing my quiet time finishing up one can and another can sitting on the table. And I reached over. This was back when I was doing student work in community college and thought I knew everything. I was teaching credit Bible. And I reached over and grabbed the empty can and crushed it with my hand, which gave me a real sense of power. <laughs> yeah, right, rush. <laughs> and then the other one I reached over and still had the tab in it that was full, and I squeezed it and crickled it a little bit. And it dawned on me <clears throat> that when my life was like the empty can and the external pressure exceeded the internal substance, the internal substance of it, that, that is pretty useless and pretty helpless. But when you're created and filled with that which you're created for, which I think is God's Word and prayer and a personal relationship with Christ, uh, and it dawned on me that I had to figure out a way to get internal substance into my life. And it wasn't going to be accidental. It had to be very intentional. So I went out and bought a little binder and started keeping notes. I'd write my prayers out to God uh, because I sometimes – lose my place when I'm praying verbally. And then the second section, I got real disillusioned with some leaders that were early on in my life. And I decided I better really stay in touch with Jesus. So I've been in the gospel now for 
four and a half decades. And it keeps me from from being able to be disillusioned because this is where a lot of people have given up is that they've seen people that have really let them down. And, uh, and I've let a lot of people down, I think, you know. But uh, when I say in a gospel that, you know, Christ has never let me down. And then the third section is how do you – how do you pass that on, you know, when you receive teaching? And I, I've been under some really great teachers and some really great students that taught me things. And I, I write the date down and put who it is. And then I, I realize that a lot of times when we're taught, it's like putting pearls before swine. They get trampled in the mud. Mm-hmm. And then the last little section on the back, just all discipleship is, is teaching people to walk with Christ like you're walking with Christ. The way you read his word, the way you pray, the way you receive teaching. And that's what discipleship is. So you started out doing this personally, kind of just on a uh, any old kind of binder you could you could find. And then you've actually developed it, it into a spiritual journal with these divisions, right? Yeah, that's yeah. A, it's, it's a little bit fancier, but it's still the basic concept. And, and it's available from your website, which is www.centerpointministries.com. Is that correct? Yeah, I think. I, I'm not real sure. <laughs> well, I'll go give them mine yeah. anyway, yeah, so we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll double Be, be sure you take C's and not mine. <laughs> and besides that, center point is C-E-N-T-R-E-P-O-I-N-T. Yeah. So that's an easy thing to mistake as well. Uh, you and can, for sure you could go to our, our email, which is ronwells at centerpoint.cc. Right, right. And and mine at steve at steverussell.org or steverussell.org uh, as a website. I can get you in touch with with Ron and get you one of these uh, spiritual journals. And we actually have these because we've been in Romania and all over Latin American countries, and we have them in Spanish and Romanian. And we don't We don't have much of a, a call for them locally, but we gotcha. have a lot gotcha. of English. <laughs> well, I don't know. We've got a pretty good international yeah, we do. community <laughs> around here, so you may get some more of those. Yeah. But uh, please don't hesitate to contact us uh, for one of the spiritual journals for yourself. As we close today, uh, I appreciate Ron so much uh, being here and appreciate all he's done. Uh, and, and I know many people out there think, well, uh, you and Ron are, uh, are professional ministers and you do these things because somebody pays you to do them. But uh, uh, I think anybody in this that's, that's not doing something crazy or illegal will tell you we sure don't do it for the money. Uh, that's, that's not the point. But uh, the last closing remark I would leave you with today is, is um, uh, like, uh, look for you a Timothy. If you feel like there's fire in your belly, but it's just indigestion right now, or, <laughs> or there's a tie, you've got the eye of the tiger, but it feels more like a cataract, uh, seek someone who has that eye and that fire in the belly and find them and say, come and teach me to be like Jesus. And uh, there couldn't be a better calling to uh, be Christian living that counts and making a difference in a broken world than becoming more like Jesus. So seek someone to lead you there. This is Steve Russell. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us. Steve Russell returns next week at the same time discussing how renewed lives can make a difference in a broken world. Join us again for Christian living that counts.